Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. So when I was in college, I was a theater major, and my very best friend, Kyle, uh, worked with me. Um, I was a stage manager, so and he was always backstage with me, like he was head of the set crew or whatever, and so we were pretty much inseparable. And um, during my first year of college, I met a director from New York, and he had come down to guest do something at our at our college. And he invited me to come up and work with him in New York over the summer. And so I worked every shift I could possibly work as a waitress at Don Pablo's. And <laughs> I, I saved my dollars in this like uh, old plastic cup up behind my TV in my room because I didn't want anybody to steal it. And like um, I saved every penny I could. And so we went to New York. And when I was there, I just fell in love with the city and I did not want to come home. And I had decided I wasn't going to come home. And my best friend was like, yes, you are. And I said, no, no, I'm just going to stay here. Why, can't, why not? He's like, because you're out of money. And I said, yeah, but they have waitress jobs everywhere. And I can make cash today. And he's like, no, you've got to come home. you got to see your parents. And I was like, no, I don't. Because we didn't have a great relationship. And um, he's like, well, you've got to, uh, you know, like, go deal with your car. You have a car. Like, you need to sell it. I was like, that's my dad's problem. He can figure that out. And then, like, he, he was like, you know, well, what about your friends? What about all of our friends at school? And I was like, they know that I'm in New York and they've got a pretty good idea I'm not coming home and he finally got me he's like all right you've got to come home because you've got to see your brothers and sisters and I was like dang it because they are all significantly younger than me I'm the, hmm. I was the only child of my parents marriage my, their marriage first and then they each divorced and had other marriages and other kids so I, there's a significant age difference and so they were like my kids and so he's like we've got oh because he went to New York with me I don't know if I left that out but anyway he's like we got to go home you've got to see the kids I was like, fine. And so I didn't want to go home. And we get on the airplane and we land. And I was like, I know that my parents are going to be there. And I just, I don't, I, we just really had a crappy relationship. So yeah. I didn't want to see them at all. And he said, no, I just feel it in my gut. You're supposed to come home. And I said, I feel it in my gut that you're wrong. <laughs> and we get off the airplane and I was like, you have to hold my hand because I, I just, I really didn't want to see them at all. And, and we walk out and I see my mom and dad and my heart sinks and I see my siblings and it lifts a bit and I was like okay I've seen them I need to see them and talk to them and then I'm leaving again and then I look over and there's this smoking hot guy waving at me and I was like what and then Kyle waves back and I was like oh wait he's not waving at me I was like who who is that who are you waving at he's like Gabe and I knew Gabe apparently and if you ask Gabe we'd met way before this a couple of times apparently um and I was like I said, honestly, my words were stoner, Gabe. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, no way. And seriously, y'all, it was just like, do you remember in Roger Rabbit when he kept trying to get the like floating stars or yeah, hearts or birds? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. It was all of that. All of that. It was like star eyes and birds and tweetings and all the things above my head. And I knew that that's why I'd come home. And I haven't, we, I didn't go back to New York for another 20 years. Oh, wow. That was it. So, and again, Gabe will tell you a different story, but he likes that turn, that one too. But he, apparently we'd met a few times before then. So, so. you're talking about like New York City, like the island, like Manhattan? Mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah. I so worked on why a did show you like there? that so much? Because I was a theater major. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what I wanted to do in my I life. I just went there a couple of weeks ago. I, sp I spent like a whole day in, 
in New York there, and there's not a single thing that makes me want to go back. Not uh, one single thing. No, as as an adult now, I can see the parts of New York that I'm just like, Ugh, you know. But <laughs> as a theater person, I'm yeah. still passionate about theater. Oh, I bet. There's yeah. still a draw there for sure. Awesome. So, but now That's Hayden's cool. just going to do that for me, so I'll have a place to crash. When Good I deal. Him. Awesome. So. Well, everybody, my name is Jeff Keck, and this is the Testament. I'm here today with Crystal Strawn, and Crystal and I actually met in youth camp a couple weeks ago. Um, so, Crystal, tell me about yourself, though. Um, so I am a wife and a mom and uh, a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. I feel like I just am introducing myself in CR or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, and thankfully, <laughs> I am redeemed and forgiven every single day. Mm. And and I think that that's probably the the best part about me. Mm-hmm. Because if not for that, I'm a rotten person. Yeah. <laughs> so mm. um, I... Uh, I was, uh, like I was saying, I was a theater major when I was young. Um, Gabe and I have been together for, uh-oh, 1998, you do the math, whatever that is, a long well, time. Yeah, that's going to be 23 years. Yeah, that sounds right. Sure. And um, he he would probably be so embarrassed right now. But um, no, we've been together for forever, and we did everything out of order. We had the kid first and did college last and, and just all the things. And so... Um, my career has been all over the place. I mean, I wanted to be a stage manager in New York, and then there was a kid, and it's like, okay, well, I mm. guess I'm going to work at American Airlines in the lost baggage department because why not? And then it was uh, I was going to be an accountant. Well, that's stupid. And then I was like, <laughs> I mean, like I went to college, I swear, for a hundred years, um, but I finally did uh, decide on a career in human resources, and I did. I was in HR for twenty one, twenty two years uh, until God said, yeah, I think you're done with that now. Hmm. And that yeah. was a shock to the system. But uh, Gabe and I have three kids, and um, now we have only one left at the house, so we're in this weird season of life, mm. and it's crazy. How old are you of, kids? Uh, Mason is, uh, what was that math again? 23? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was four months pregnant when we got married. Um, and then Zeke uh, just graduated high school. He is 17. Uh, and Hayden is 15. <laughs> yeah, he'll be yeah. 16 in December. So. And, and Zeke uh, went North Texas, right? Yeah. 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 Awesome. He's, he's traveling drum corps right now. So Great school for what he wants to do. Yes, yeah. it is. We're so excited for Which him. Which drum corps did you get on with? He Right now he's with Troopers. Um, he aspires to March Santa Clara Vanguard mm. because that's where Paul Rennick is. Um, <laughs> I mean, like ultimate fangirl here. Uh, but that they win drums. Yeah. They got the Freds, and yeah. and that's what he wants is is a handful of Freds. So that's so a little backstory on that to kind of fill everybody in a little bit. So Paul, you mentioned Paul Rennick. So I actually sat down with your son one time. He was filling in for drums at the church mm-hmm. here, and uh, sat down with him. I talked to him about some you know some stuff. He seemed really nervous behind the drum set, um, but I, I kept telling him, "You're good. I mean, you sound great. I mean, there's nothing." And then they wanted him to play timpani for a special or something. Mm-hmm. So you know. Talked with him about that. But when I told him that my high school drumline in Mansfield, Texas, used to have a drumline instructor, a drum, a drumline, you know, the drumline, the head drumline instructor named Paul Rennick, he was like, Did his face melt off? Yes. <laughs> I was like, uh, You know, I'm really kind of shocked that you know that name. He's like, Dude, everybody should know that name. I was like, Yeah, he, he was. I mean, he was our drumline instructor for one of our years in, in high school, but there was two or three others that have gone on to be big names also. 
that were that had come down there. They're they all from West, UNT. Right? They all came down yep. from UNT to do that. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah, did. his his eyes lit up, and I was like. God, but here's what he doesn't understand. This may give it away if he listens to this. But um, so Paul and I didn't have like one-on-one instruction very often. We had some private lessons now and then, but it wasn't like I personally was trained and grew up under Paul Remick, right? He was our drumline instructor. We learned a lot from him. Sure. But there was no one-on-ones. Like I can't, I am not an awesome drum player. But <laughs> so, but he was like, oh, I can't believe you were trained by him. But anyway. That's a big so, deal. That's a big so deal. So what are his chances in getting in that core? That, uh, that um, drum core? There, if, if I'm, I don't want to jinx anything and yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, sound yeah. arrogant, yeah, sure. but probably a hundred percent. Good, good. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've got, not only did they have a big population that aged out because yeah. they didn't march, Santa Clara didn't march this year. So even they had hoped that the kids that didn't get to march their age out year last year would get to march. Not only do they not get to march, but now the kids that would have aged out this year don't get to march either. So they've got like seven spots open. Wow. And Good. so now, which I'm super inspired by him. Um, now it's not even, am I going to make it? It's I want center three. Hmm. I'm like, you want to go into Vanguard as center three? Like, so many people are so excited just to get that edge spot. So like, yeah, you know, because yeah. the closer to the middle, the, right, the you sure. know, right. And so he's like, no, mom, I can do it. Because there's only two vets coming back. Hmm. And he's like, I'll give uh, JT and Megan the, the center two, but I want the third spot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you'll give it to him? And he said, I'm, I'm taking the third spot. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, man. So, wow, that's awesome. I mean, he feels pretty confident. And, wow. and Troopers, um, that group specifically has – Paul's people, quote, you know, running it in the percussion department. So yeah. that's his grooming grounds. He sends his people there. He's like, if you want to march for me, then you better go here first. And everybody, it's pretty rare to go directly to Santa Clara. I mean, it happens. And and I'm not even trying to sound ugly, but it happens more for like winds or whatever. But yeah. for drumline, it's, yeah. it's not real often that you march, you walk right into yeah. Santa Clara. So Wow. I spent three practices in Iowa with the Emerald Knights. Yeah. And then my... School schedule that year had changed, and I was going to miss DCI because of school, so I had to drop out of the whole thing. Oh, it was so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's okay. Well. I got over it eventually. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we're chasing rabbits here. We're chasing yeah, we drum are, rabbits. Are. I want to get Sorry. back to this. So this yep. show is all about our testimonies in Jesus. So if you would share with us um, what your life was like before you knew who Jesus was, how did you find him, and then what has life been like for you with Christ in your heart? Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that everybody you talk to has a, has a nice straight line path with Jesus, <laughs> but I don't. So, um, mine, and honestly, it took me a while to figure out that I'm not uncommon that way. Mm. Um, because just like everybody else, I think, uh, I met Jesus as a young kid and I was on fire and I was like, this is awesome. Jesus is so great. And then, uh, it fizzled when I got a little older and a little more freedom. And I mean, when there's nothing else to do on Wednesday night, but youth group, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's what you do. But then when you get a little older and there's other things going on, well, let's just say I strayed pretty far away. And um, I'd gotten to be pretty much a mess. And in fact, when I met Gabe, um, I can remember being so excited and telling Kyle Uh, that mutual friend of ours, that, oh my gosh, I invited Gabe to go to church. And he said, yes. And Kyle was like, yeah. 
And I thought, because I mean, like Gabe had really long hair and he rode a motorcycle and I knew he had smoked pot. And that's what, that was the joke about the stoner Gabe thing. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, what, what, that, that's not surprising to you? And he's like, no, Gabe's like grown up in the church. His dad's like a deacon or something. And I was like, what? And so I, I was not looking for God when yeah. I met Gabe. One example of God being smarter than me. Um, but, uh, and so when, by the time I'd gotten to Gabe, I was pretty much a wreck. And I remember him inviting me to come to church here and here at Lake Church. And um, I came and they did the altar call and I was broken. Mm. And I can remember Gabe walking with me to the front and I met David Jenkins for the first time. And we walked into the back where uh, you would sit and talk to people. And I literally lay there with my head in his lap crying, in, in David Jenkins' lap, just crying because mm -hmm. I was so broken and I, I, I couldn't even give words. So I would say that at that point, God made a big showing back in my life. And it took me years to realize that he'd never left me. I had yeah. left him, right? Yeah. Um, and then Gabe and I got married. Uh, like I said, we were four months pregnant when we got married. That's not a surprise to anybody. Everybody knows that story. Um, I mean, maybe you don't. but like, No, you know, I don't, um, but that's okay. Uh, but we, we got pregnant and we got married. And um, we proceeded to... Uh, you know, because we were 19 and 20, and everybody's like, y'all are ridiculous. This isn't going to work. Don't do this. And we were determined to prove everybody wrong. And so we did. We did everything on our own. We had our own place. We made our own way. We had jobs. We took care of our kid. We, 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 we. And we built this great life. And um, we both had really good jobs, and we were making pretty good money. And we had three kids, and life was great. But we were very negligent on realizing who was actually providing all that stuff for us. It was, yeah. you know, God and not us. And so we spent the first 15 years of marriage um, loving each other very much. But I would say that after probably the 10th year, things had started to kind of unravel and we didn't really realize it. But it was just we were so wrapped up in what we were doing and all the amazing things we did Um that we just weren't watching everything fall apart in front of our own eyes. And mm. because from the outside, we looked great. We had this awesome marriage that had defied all the odds and these three awesome kids and this great house and, you know, th living the dream. And um, particularly for our age, because we'd started so early and all, most of our friends were just getting out of college and, yeah. you know, figuring life out at all. And, but truthfully behind the scenes, Gabe was struggling with drugs and, I was struggling with attention seeking and because I felt like he was giving his attention to that. And so someone surely would put me first. And so, I mean, it didn't start that way, but that's what it eventually fell into. And by the time we hit 2012, we, I don't know how we were even still together. Hmm. And I can remember at one point, my sister and her husband, um, they were in a really rough spot with drugs and their children had been taken away and given to us. And we were the only members of the family that could pass a drug test at the time mm. um, to take the kids. And oh man, was I self-righteous. I was like, here, I will help you. I will save you. I will take care of your children and look at me. And it was, I mean, I, we were just 
so arrogant and so self-absorbed and all the while, again, like I said, falling apart completely. And um, I can remember it was uh, the holidays of 2012. Um, we were pretty much at our, our lowest. And um, Gabe couldn't even get through a dinner without needing to go out to the garage, and uh, which absolutely infuriated me. And mm. the kids didn't have any clue. They were Mason was the oldest at that point, and he was 13. <clears throat> and I think he had a clue, but we hid it so well that I think that once he really knew what was going on, he was surprised. But um, but so Gabe would choose that, and I would choose to go out with friends and, you know, whatever I, I was doing. And um, I can remember, you know, begging him to come inside, and and he was just so, you know, out of it that he wouldn't have anything. He was like, nah, I'm not going in there. And when all along, his thought was, you're just going to leave and go be with your friends. So I'm going to sit out here. And my, my excuse was, well, you're just going to sit out here. So I'm going to go be with my friends. And we had just gotten ourselves into this big, ugly, ugly spiral. And so January of 2013, I asked him to move out. I told him that I'd found someone else and that I didn't want to be with him anymore. And, um, we were separated for three months. And, uh, during that three months, I think everybody's mind was blown. When when we separated, because we hid things so well, even our very best friends who knew of some of our struggles had no idea just what a mess our life had become. Um, and I'm so, so amazed by God. Um, you know, I, I've gotten to the point that I'm no longer surprised. But it's kind of like when your kids do something, you're just like, I'm not surprised because I know your capabilities, but I am still amazed that you, you pulled that off, you know? And so I was initially very angry with God because, um, pretty much the day that I kicked Gabe out, um, he immediately fell on his knees in prayer and, um, he within three days, had spent extensive hours with uh, Dr. Lamance, who has been a longtime family friend of ours, and um, did some real hard work on some generational uh, spiritual warfare that had been going on and um, hasn't touched a single drug since then. And I was so mad. I mean, and it had only been like a couple of weeks, but I was so mad when he came to see me the first time and he tells me this. And I was like, I, I was, I was like, great. I'm glad to hear that. You can be a good dad now. Hmm. And, but then I was mad at God though, because I was like, are you serious? I begged and prayed and prayed and begged for this for all these years. And you wait until now to do it, you know? And so I just, because it was all about me, I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. And, and so I was just furious, but not to be outdone. Um, I was like, well, I'm not going to let anybody think that he's a better parent than me. So I found my happy little butt in the pew every Sunday. And I was like, well, I'm going to be there too then. Hmm. And <laughs> we went to church during that three months more than we had in the previous probably three years. And we, those doors were open and we were there hmm. and we didn't go to Sunday school together sorry, connection group. Um, we didn't go to class together, but we would sit outside the class because our boys were in class and we would sit outside in, uh, down by like in the Lionheart area now. Mm. Um, and we would, we would talk and try to, he 
would try to convince me that he was better and I would try to convince him that he needed to leave me alone and that I was on my own path. <laughs> and um, he kept trying to get me to go to counseling um, and I refused because Ed Lamerts ran it and I was like, there is no way that, I mean, okay, for some perspective, Gabe was literally born, I mean, like, he, he's been here since he's been here since the womb. Mm. Like his dad helped lay the bricks that are the fellowship hall. I mean, like right. he was Tarrant road and moved here. Like th he's been here his whole life. And so I was like, there's nobody that is going to work in that counseling center. That's not going to be on your side. I mean, I felt like I couldn't go in there and get a fair shake. Mm. Like nobody was going to hear me because all they were going to hear is Gabe's wife. And, um, he came to me and he's like, okay, well, Ed, said that there's actually a new counselor that he'd like you to talk to. She doesn't even go to our church. She just started. And um, he says that he thinks y'all will click. Well, I don't know if you've ever met Pam Cheek before, hmm. but she's pretty incredible. <laughs> and uh, God put her there for me. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure she's helped other people along the way too, but he put her there for me uh, because she helped me so much to... So I went and um, she helped me so much to realize that I needed to stop worrying about, was I supposed to be with this other person that I thought I was supposed to be with, or was I supposed to be with Gabe? She's like, you need to stop worrying about either of those people. She said, you need to worry about your path with God. And whatever that path is, if there's boulders along the way, we need to figure out how to get around them. And if at some point God realigns your paths and Gabe's, then that's awesome. Mm. But that's Gabe's path. And you're on your path. So you worry about your path. Gabe needs to worry about his path. But if they're both pointed toward God and it's in God's will, then those paths can realign. And I was like, well, you're not even talking about the other guy. She's like, because I'm not going to talk about the other guy because that's a that's a no-go. Yeah. And I was like, you know, but she was very candid with me. Um, but with her and with Ed Lamance's help, um, I did a lot of uh, spiritual cleanup that I didn't realize I had been holding on to for a long, long time. And... That's a lot of hard work. I don't know if you've ever gone through anything uh, in impact counseling or dealt with any of, or even seen their process at all. But he does this whole, he has an outline and it's on the website. You can find it. It's called the flushing process and hmm. where you, because according to Ed, you know, lots of crap gets thrown at us and we hmm. have an option. We can throw it back, we can wallow in it, or we can flush it. And so... I had to go through and I had to flush a lot of crap. And um, once I got through that, I was still not, I was still not ready to be back with my husband. I was ready to be not with that other person, yeah. probably. I had gotten to that point that I felt like, okay, probably that's not the right person for me. But I didn't think it was Gabe still. And, um, and I really felt like I was diligently praying about that. And, um, I can remember uh, walking into the restroom over by Reclaimed one Sunday morning and LaRue Lamance uh, just stopped me because she's LaRue and she's brilliant and, <laughs> and such a godly woman. And she's like, how are you, hun? In just her sweet way. And I was like, I'm okay. And she said, no, really? And I was like, I mean, I'm struggling a bit, but I'm okay. And she said, have you found peace yet? And I said, not yet. And she said, you know why? And I said, no. She said, because it's a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> I said, well, what does that mean? She goes, until you're in line with God, what God wants from you, then you're not going to get peace. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so snarky. And she's like, I'm just telling you, sister. And so, I mean, but she was so perfect. And, and God knows that 
he knows that I need that kind of like he put Pam in place because she was that way with me. He put LaRue right there. That's not LaRue's all the time demeanor, but she knew God told her, no, you got to smack her. You got to like, actually like get in her face a little bit. And so she knew that that's how she had to address me. And then, um, you know, God put a couple other super wise women in my path, um, Janice Graver, Kay Klinsendorf. And, uh, you know, they would just, they walked with me through the whole thing. And, um, I can remember just hearing such wise counsel from them that, God will restore what the locusts have eaten. You've got to want him to, and mm-hmm. you've got to ask him to, and you've got to pray about that. But he will. He's faithful. His word says he will. And I was like, yeah, but how long is that going to take? Mm. Because I'm not a patient person. <laughs> and, um, but I will also say that God is very good at, I won't say that he gives you everything you want right when you want it. Just because I say, I'm an impatient person, so he gives me what I want. No. But I do know that his timing is perfect. And he knows when we've had all that we can take. And when we are leaning on him through that is when we can sometimes start to see some relief. When we're leaning on ourselves, we're not going to find it. That's why I hate that whole concept of, oh, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's the biggest lie ever. Um, Because he does. That's like his thing. That's Mm. actually exactly what he does because he wants us to lean on him, right? And so once I really, I was like, all right, God, I'm thinking maybe that Gabe is where you want me, but I just don't know that I can can make it. So I'm going to need you to help me make it. And the next day I came down with the flu <laughs> and, um, I was actually supposed to, cause Gabe and I'd already like had this little like, um, visitation schedule, right? Like every other weekend thing. And, um, I was supposed to, he, when, when it was his turn to be with the boys, he would come to the house and I would leave for the weekend. I would go to my mom's house or whatever. Well, um, that weekend I was supposed to be gone and, uh, I came down with the flu and, I, I always joke that God knew that I needed to be in that house that weekend and Gabe cared for me and took care of me. And God spoke to my heart a lot that weekend. And um, we've been together ever since. Yeah. So uh, there was a lot of, it, it wasn't just like, you know, oh, it's all better now. But I will say that it's important. And if you don't hear anything else, just remember that no matter how far you stray from God, um, it can be overwhelming because even when you when you get to the point where you know that you're wrong and you know that you're really far off the path, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, but that's like I'm really far off the path. Now I gotta turn around and like huck it all the way back. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to huck it back anywhere. All you gotta do is stop and turn around because he's been pursuing you all this time and he's right there. And guess what? You're back on the path. So there, there's no overwhelming um, journey back. He's there to like wrap you up and hug you tight and tell you, maybe smack you around a little bit through other people sometimes. But he's right there to, to with all of that grace. Oh my gosh, so much grace. And, um, and he does restore what the locusts destroy. And he is faithful. And now Gabe and I just celebrated... Um, eight years of remarriage or mm. are we at eight years? <laughs> this is 2021. Yeah. So whatever, 13 to seven years, whatever that is, I don't even know. Um, it's 20, it's eight years, right? Yeah. 13 yeah. To, yeah, yeah. Eight years um, of remarriage. And 
it's incredible. And I am so thankful that God not only restored that, but man, he showed our kids um, true legacy and that your parents can't do it. You can't do it, but I can do it with you. Mm. I, you know, if we lean on him, he can do it. And that's what we've just over and over and over tried to share with our family and friends and anybody pretty much that would ever listen to us is just that we made a huge mess and we really thought we knew what we were doing. And, um, God's story is so much better than anything we could ever come up with. And it's just crazy. Yeah. And um, I remember when we first reconciled, Eric really walked, Eric Hirschman really walked with Gabe a lot through uh, our time apart. And uh, after we got back together, <laughs> Gabe and I had talked about asking Eric if he would mind uh, just doing a little private vow renewal for us. Just like, you know, at some point we'd like to renew our vows in take them more seriously this time around. And uh, he's like, yeah, of course. And then he he asked us, uh, he calls Gabe up a month later or so, and he says, so I was thinking about it, and um, would y'all be willing to share with the church your story? And we're like, um, <sighs> sure, yeah, of course. I mean, like, because at this point, how can we not share our story? God gave all of this, not just for us, but there's other people that need to hear this, right? And so we're like, sure, of course. And he's like, and then I was thinking like, we'll just do the vow renewal right there. And I was like, what? And he's like, so they did. And they didn't <laughs> tell anybody they were going to do it. Um, we got up there and he was teaching on um, God's unfailing love and redemptive grace and all that stuff. So what a perfect opportunity to get up there and blab our story. And so he had us come up and kind of did like a little panel discussion thing, me and Gabe and him, and uh, told our whole story, similar to the story I've just told here, except for Gabe gives it a whole lot better color. I'm just pretty straightforward about it. He's got a lot of, you know, lovely color that goes to it. Um, but when we were done, Eric's like, all right, well, let's just renew those vows right now. And the whole church is like, what? And so they bust out with like these flower candelabra things and all this stuff. And Brandon Barton sings this like incredible song and there's flowers and all this stuff. And, and, and he does. He just, we had a wedding right there. And someone commented later, they're like, that's how you get a free church or a free wedding at Lake Church. <laughs> but anyway, it's pretty incredible. And now since then, everything, everything Everything good is immediately credit given to God. Everything bad is immediately also credited to God is sovereign. So whatever's going on, I'm not going to blame God, but I'm going to say that God knows what's up. And this may be bad to us, but there is good to be found in this. Nothing could be worse in my head and heart than losing my husband. And I lost him. So that was as bad as it gets. And there was good to be had from that. So I'm not saying that God wanted us to do all the dumb crap we yeah, did, yeah. but there was purpose. Right. And so that's all that you'll hear from us ever is whatever mess we make, he can make a message out of it. And not that we're aiming to make messes, but, you know, and that everything good and glorious comes from him. That's it. That's yeah. all there is to it. So 2013, you said it was the reconciliation time, right? Mm -hmm. So how old were your kids then? Um, I don't know, 98 to 13. So I think Mason was 14, 15. Hmm. He, he was almost 15. Zeke was uh, born in 2005. So uh, 
seven, I think, is that math? Eight? I don't know. And then Hayden so, was... So since then, though, you've graduated two now. Yep. So, um, yep. I mean, like, how does how does that make you feel? And knowing that another one's coming up, too, but you've, you've, grad, you've raised and graduated two kids through this time, right? Uh, yeah. Through this transition, yeah. actually. Yeah. So... Well, I'll tell you that, and in, in this part isn't, I won't say it's not my story to tell because it is, but I know that my husband, Gabe, that's one of the easiest attacks that the enemy has that he uses on Gabe is um, because Mason was older. So Ma- the, the two younger boys had a lot more years of, you know, quote unquote, good dad. Yeah. You know, redeemed, got your head out of your rear end, dad mm. and mom, obviously, and mom. Um, but Mason didn't have as many years. And so Gabe constantly feels like any time that anything is less than perfect with our oldest son, um, because he's he's lived a bit of an alternative life. Yeah. A yeah. bit of a kind of his own path kind of thing. And and that really is an attack on Gabe a lot. But I I do find a lot of peace in remembering that, first of all, a lot of what we worry about Mason, that's society. That's like societal expectations. Like, what? first of all, I, I mean, I really struggled when Mason first graduated high school because he didn't go to college. He uh, he did for like six weeks, and then we were like, uh, this is stupid. Um, and he just kind of did his own thing and whatever. And all these other moms were like, oh, well, how's Mason doing in college? Where did he end up? And I'm like, oh, he works at Mellow Mushroom, you know, whatever. And and, I, and then I had to realize that why am I not proud of that? Why am I not proud of my child, you know? And so it's not even a matter of pride. It was a matter of, am I disappointed in him? No, he's doing his thing, like whatever that thing may be. And, and so when you ask, how does it feel to have raised two kids? It feels very different for both of those kids. Now, I mean, having raised kids, um, now I I do see each kid is going to be different anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But when Mason left, um, he, like I said, he graduated and he didn't go to college. He stayed at home for about a year. And then um, when he decided to move out, he moved in with his significant other. And I was devastated. I mean, I, I remember violently crying myself to sleep for like a week and a half or something. It was ridiculous. It wasn't on bad terms. He just was like, okay, I'm going to go live with Mac now. And I was like, Okay, you know, like uh, <laughs> I was a wreck. It was my first baby, and there was no need for him to leave, you know, in my head. And um, and so I I I remember looking at Zeke and being like, um, you know, I've got four years with you, so mm. get used to a lot of hugs, because yeah. um, I, I miss your brother. And then, you know, this year when Zeke gets ready to graduate. There was part of me that thought it'd be easier. Um, I don't know why I thought it'd be easier, but it's not. Um, it, it's it's not as uh, traumatizing, maybe, just because Zeke is moving with purpose. You know, like he's in drum corps right now, and then he's going to be on campus at UNT studying music. Like he's got this path, and so I know that he's not leaving me to leave me yeah, thing, yeah. which I know that Mason wasn't either. But anyway, um, it's, it's just, it's, I am thankful though, that they did have, they do have foundation and whether mm-hmm. or not they are living exactly like I think they should be, 
Um, because guess what? Most kids don't live exactly like you think they should. I'm right. sure that yours are right. perfect and nope. awesome. Not but, even um, <laughs> mine are not. Nope. And, um, I, but what I do need to know and what I need to remember is if, um, is first and foremost, God is in their heart. They, mm. they, mm. they all know Jesus, whether or not they choose to, the oldest does struggle with his faith. So I won't say he struggles with it. He's just being obstinate. He knows what's up, but he's just doing his own thing. But you know what? I remember when Gabe and I did that. So yeah. I tell you what, he's 23 and he doesn't have a kid. He doesn't have a three-year-old. So he's already doing better than we did. Yeah. So, I mean, I just have to know that God's got this So and we, I can't fix it. Yeah. So when we raise our kids, we tell them things all the time. All right. Mm -hmm. But they don't always catch what we're saying nope. or listen to what we're nope. saying. Nope. But if you had a short message that you could give to your kids or even anybody, any kids that are listening to this show, a short message you can give that you know they're going to listen to and follow, what would that be? Um, that would be, first, remember that no matter what you do, I'm always the one cheering the loudest for you. Hmm. No matter what stands it's in or what, whatever it is, whoever, whenever you hear the maniac screaming, that's your mom, because <laughs> I will always be your number one fan. Yeah. No one on this earth will love you more than me until you find that special someone that God ordained for you. Yeah. Outside of me and your dad, sorry. Um, but outside <laughs> of that, you need to remember that God loves you most. And no matter how much I think I love you, he loves you more. Never give up on yourself. Never give up on God. And even when you do, remember that he didn't give up on you. And he's still there because he's got this. He knows yeah. what he's doing. And even when you give up on yourself, he did not give up on you. Yeah. Good word. Good word. And I really do appreciate your uh, willingness to share your testimony and your story to it. puts you, the things that you've done, the experiences you've had, puts you in a position, which is probably why you're at youth camp a couple of weeks ago, too, because that's, that's some a group of people that need to hear stories like that yeah. as they grow up also. Um, who would be um, probably someone who inspires you the most in your life? I don't, I don't know that I have any one person per se that inspires me most in my life. Um, my children inspire me to be brave because they are brave. Like they do crazy brave stuff that I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah. So that inspires me. My husband inspires me to be more Christ-like because he is such an imperfect person and strives every day to admit his imperfections and be more like Christ. And that just inspires me. And things I see, the way I see God's love shown through people, when I see things, even when they don't realize they're doing it, sorry, friend, you're doing Jesus's work right now and you're inspiring me. Yeah. That's what inspires me truthfully is to see, see the, the healing that yeah. even just inadvertently doing Jesus's work can do for people. It yeah. just, it matters. And I guess that's what inspires me, not a who, but a what. Yeah. Good so. word. Let's change topics for a little bit. Tell okay. me about Linola's Craft Kitchen. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> You know, God didn't stop working on me in 2013. <laughs> He's been working on me nonstop for all 43 years. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in 2013, when we really got it together and, and realized, oh, if we let God be in control, things get better and things are easier and we don't struggle. I mean, that's not true. People still struggle. But I mean, like, you know, when you're not fighting against God, it, it does, it, it tends to be a little easier in life. Um, so that being said, uh, 
I had, like I said, a 20 plus year in HR career in HR and it was great. And, um, not to be boastful or whatever, but I, I made great money at it. Everything. It, it was wonderful. And it was like, wow, God, you're really rewarding hard work here. And then it just really started to weigh on me that I didn't want to be there anymore. And I didn't understand why I still had to be there. I started feeling like I didn't want to be in HR anymore. I didn't want to be where I was anyway. I didn't yeah. want to be at that company. And, um, I started looking elsewhere and, uh, it became very apparent that the company was going through some major changes and that, uh, there was about to be some restructuring and long story short, I knew that my job would be eliminated. Uh, I was the top HR person for my division, but my division was about to be absorbed into the company's biggest division. Well, they've already got a full HR team. They don't need me. And, um, so I remember going to the head of HR and being like, look, just give me a great package. I'll, I, I, yeah. make sure I get a good package and I'll do whatever you need me to do and, and I'll go work wherever I need to find. And so I had gotten an interview with another company and it was going well. And then I got a package. I was like, whoa, like, God, you're so good. Because I'd had this moment when I was interviewing with this other company. I remember telling Gabe, yeah, but, you know, should I leave Trinity right now? I don't know. Is it time? Is it not? You know, whatever. And then like the next day, they I, I honestly, it came faster than I expected. There's the package. I was like, well, there's my answer. Okay, great. And so I was so excited. Excited. I had this like new thing lined up and everything was great. And I mean, it, that the higher you get in the corporate world, the I swear, the more interviews you have to do to get a job. And I was on like round seven or something and I was meeting with the uh, CHRO and uh, he agreed to meet with me on Thanksgiving week when he was supposed to be, in his words, which was really cringy, babysitting his twins. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that should have been my first clue. Um, but he, he agreed to meet with me at a coffee shop uh, be, on Thanksgiving week because he really wanted to move forward with this. And so we thought it was a done deal. And um, he's like, okay, well, I mean, I left that that interview and, and everything was great. And uh, he's like, okay, well, we'll be in touch this afternoon. I got to get in touch with HR. It'll probably be after the holidays, whatever. So then nothing. Hmm. And I was like, what the heck? And so... Um, Obviously, I ended up not getting that job, uh, but I was like, you know what? I did get a great package, so I'm just going to enjoy the holidays. I'm not going to worry about looking for a job. Nobody hires that level of HR yeah. at the end of the year anyway, yeah. so I was like, I'll just wait till uh, the beginning of the year. Well, then the beginning of the year comes around, and uh, Gabe's mother very unexpectedly passed away. Mm. And so then it was all about being there with the family, and I was like, oh, look, God's timing is perfect. I'm here. I'm able to be here with the family and really be that because my heart has always been one of – hosting in 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 more than just you know like having people at the house but like mm -hmm. you know okay it's funeral time that's like my go time like you yeah, know it's like yeah. i'm here to love on you and, and like feed you and do the things that you do right and so that was kind of the the life there for a couple months and then guess what COVID. Mm -hmm. so then there were no jobs to be found right yeah. right so then it's like oh Okay, so so now what? Because now, I mean, it's a great package, but it's not like a whole, you know, six years of salary or anything here. You know, so it's like, all right, God, so what is the plan? Well, he started showing me in the weirdest ways all these like every time I try to go into the corporate world, he would shut that door and immediately some weird cooking thing would present itself. <laughs> like I'll never forget um, the first big hit was my bacon to roses and they actually came out of me making fun of Eric Herstrom. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to a meeting with him. This was early, early coffee talk, uh, coffee shop talk. And, um, 
I was like, he said, I'll bring coffee. And another person was like, I'll bring tea. And I was like, well, I'll bring some to eat because that's what I do. And so I was like, what does Eric like? Eric likes churros and bacon. So I did uh, candied bacon on a stick. And then my churros, I was going to, I just had like this vase and I was just going to stick churros in there with the candied bacon on a stick. But my churros kept twirling up in the oil. And I was like, that looks like a rose. And so I just stuck it on the end and I called them bacon to roses. Yeah. And I sold probably a thousand dollars worth of those nice. the next month oh, for nice. Valentine's Day. Yes. Right? Like it was crazy. And actually that happened right before my mother-in-law passed away because they're sitting at the kitchen table planning her funeral and I am making bacon to roses. And everybody was just like, what are you doing? And I said, like, I have a thousand dollars worth of orders. I'm going to make bacon to roses. But anyway, there was just these weird ways that God kept showing up with food. Hmm. Like he's like, nope, do this. And so I learned how to make sourdough bread and I made a significant amount of money selling bread for Father's Day. It was like the weirdest thing. Mm. Like, it, And it just kept happening and kept happening. And then people would approach me and be like, hey, do you would you consider doing meal services or whatever? Because we're in COVID, right? Yeah. And, so, mm. and it just kind of started. And I can remember talking to Gabe and being like, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do because I was already sort of starting to work on the coffee shop and the thoughts of helping with the coffee shop. And I was like, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do is just run the coffee shop. And of course to Gabe, that's like a gut punch because I, I did make quite a bit of yeah, money at yeah, the other yeah. job. And he's like, um, I, I mean, if that's what God wants for us, then okay. But how is that going to work? And I was like, I don't know, but I mean, I just feel like maybe it is. And so I, I would just, I just started putting a menu out and I was like, all right, does anybody want to order meals from me? And it was sell out every night. And I was like, yeah. what in the world? And it just sort of took off. And um, at one point, finally, uh, I told Gabe, I said, I, I'm going to stop applying for other jobs. And he said, why would you do that? And I said, because I really feel like this is where God wants me. I, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And he said, why? And I said, why do you not feel like that? Because every, so, and we're real big on analogies around our house, which is silly, but people make fun of us for it, but whatever. Um, I was like, okay, Gabe, I feel like we're on this highway and God's leading us down this highway. And he said, this is the direction I want you to go. And every time I try to exit, he closes the exit every time. Even though I'm like, I know that I'm perfectly suited for this exit. The, in fact, the job posting is almost exactly my resume. Like I'm perfectly suited for this exit. He's like, yeah, but you're not. And he closes that exit yeah. every time. Hmm. But he keeps showing me all the green lights on this road that I'm on. And he keeps like, you know, clearing traffic out of the way and everything is just perfect. It's as if I have a toll tag. And you're telling me, Every time you, every time I turn around, he's like, put your blinker on, put your blinker on. I'm like, but I'm not supposed to exit. And he said, <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm in a car and I'm on a dark, you know, country road and it's foggy and I'm afraid I'm going to hit a deer because, and, and kill my family because we're not following the path that we're supposed to follow. And what if I miss the, what I'm just trying to be cautious because I don't want to hit a deer. And I said, but if we're sticking with this dumb analogy that we're going with, then we got to remember you're not actually driving the car. God is. Do you think he's going to throw us into a deer? And he's like, oh yeah, probably not. And I was like, okay, so I think we should just stay on the highway. <laughs> and he's like, okay. So once we decided to stay on the highway, God really started showing up in big ways too. And um, so yeah, that's what Linola's is, is the answer that God has given me to 
now I cook for people, which yeah. is so odd. So I do a, a menu every week. Um, and that really started just out of the necessity of COVID because people um, weren't going out as much, obviously, and kind of getting tired of the same old Chili's takeout. And so I would put out a different menu every week and they would order and then they could just stop by my house and we'd all wear our masks and I'd deliver their, I'd give them their food. And um, it, God is just continued to say, this is what you do. Yeah. So this is what I'm doing. So if so, people are interested in that, how do they find you? They go, uh, right now, they can go to Facebook and look for, or Instagram, and just look for Linola's Craft Kitchen. Not Linola's, because that's some lady that makes crafts in Illinois or something. <laughs> but Linola's Craft Kitchen um, L-Y-N-N-O-L-A. Apostrophe S. Apostrophe S. Yes. So, and craft that. Kitchen. Yes. And that actually, interestingly enough, when I first started this, I was going to be Crystal Lynn's Kitchen, because... I just Crystal Lynn is just my like my country name that my yeah. family calls me. Yeah. Um, and my little brother uh, was teasing me, and he goes, "You're not going to call it Linola's," and I just hit him. I was like, "Whatever," because growing up, my, my middle name is Lynn, and my mom would call me Crystal Linola Granola Bar, and he said, "You should call it Linola's." <laughs> and then the more I thought on it, I was like, "You know what? I like it," and so that's what it is. Yeah, so that's outstanding. Who we are. All right, so let's play a new segment that we're going to do on the show. It's called Would You Rather? I'm going to give you about five questions and ask you if you'd rather do something or something else. Okay. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> look, we're just going to randomly. I'm probably going to surprise question. you. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You ready? All right. Yeah. Would you rather? Would you rather have universal respect or unlimited power? Universal respect. Respect goes a lot further with me than power ever will. Because. Mm. Like I said, when I have power, I just mess things up anyway. So I just, <laughs> I'm going to leave the power to God and I need people to be respectful to me, <laughs> but I need to earn it. So anyway. Would you rather be royalty a thousand years ago or an average person today? I guess an average person today, because I don't want to give up what I have. So royalty a thousand years ago would have probably been weird. I don't know. I, don't I would know. do average person today as well, because there was no air conditioning back then. Oh, yeah. And if I'm stuck in Texas, <laughs> mercy. Would you rather oversleep every day for a week or not get any sleep for four days straight? Uh, oversleep every day for a week? Sign me up? <laughs> Hello? Uh, of course. Would you rather have a mullet? For a year or be bald for you? That, that's not, that's not, that's a, hold on, that's a guy's question. Let's, no, it's funny because I actually told my husband last week that, or actually not last week, it's been a few weeks now before I cut my hair off <laughs> that I was looking at that mullet, <laughs> the, the girl mullet. <laughs> and he about had a heart attack. He's like, you are not. <laughs> so, and he was bald last summer, so whatever. All right, let's do this. Uh, would you rather eat only pizza for a year or never eat pizza again? Never eat pizza again. I, really? Yeah. I don't, I couldn't do only pizza for a year. Yikes. No way. But it doesn't say a specific kind, so you could change it up. Yeah. Unless I can call, um, no, I can't even think of anything else I like. <laughs> but unless I can call an enchilada pizza, if I could make an enchilada and call it pizza, then maybe. But if I can't have a taco or an enchilada or something, like we can't call that pizza. So. All right. Would you rather it be always bright, sunny daytime or always be nighttime and dark? Bright, sunny daytime. You could go to Alaska. Yeah. Don't they have like six months out of the year yeah. where it doesn't even get dark at all? Right. But then the other six months is the opposite, right? Yeah. I wonder yeah. what depression's like up there. I bet it's horrible, time. I'm sure. Would yeah. you rather have a third ear or a third eye? <laughs> Do 
do I have to take one? Um, third eye, I guess. Because I'd rather see things than hear all the nasty crap that people say. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> all right. That's well, that's, that's just a silly little segment we do. So let's wrap it up here. And uh, favorite scriptures that you have. And it doesn't have to be a, a single verse. It could be a book, a chapter, or just some part of scripture that's really inspirational to you and comes back. So um, I, I was looking uh, earlier. I've been reading in Matthew a lot lately. And... Um, I really liked uh, Matthew 12, 33, where he says, uh, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And then he goes on to say, um, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil in him. And so uh, that when I was reading more, he, he talks about how it's about what comes out of your mouth and, and, and the way you act. And, and I think that that's so important. And, um, you know, he goes on to even talk about how it, he's not worried about washing your hands at your meal and, and the food that you're eating. It's, it's what's coming out of your mind, your heart, your soul. And I think that that's what we need to worry about. Our world right now needs to be less and I have to be careful how I say it, but the world needs to be less worried about what the rule is. It needs to be more worried about what the love is mm. and how do we love well, because that's what we're called to do is love well. Yeah. And um, especially in a society where they want us to believe that um, to love is to condone or, or whatever else all the things are. No, I'm not here to talk about your sin. I'm here to love you. Your sin is between you and God because mercy knows I don't need you talking to me about mine. You know, I've got all the, I've got all kinds of stuff that I got to reconcile, but I'm just here to love. Hmm. And and I think that if we could focus more on that, that we could be a, a lot happier around yeah. here. Yeah. What a good word. Crystal Strawn, thank you so much for coming and doing this. Yeah. Appreciate it. Hopefully you get something decent. Oh, no, this was a great story. Like I said, everything was meant to, you know, all of our testimonies are meant for somebody specifically. So somebody out there needs to hear this. So it needs to hear your story. So I appreciate you doing it. Yeah, it's God's story. I'm just glad that he gave me the voice to share it. Yeah, thank you much. Right. Folks, if you want to learn more about who Jesus is, you can go to shockwaveministries.com. You can click on the Gospel Message tab, and you will find there the Roman Road and some other resources that we're pulling from our guests as we go along and uh, to kind of help you and guide you through your prayer process and through who Jesus is and how he can become part of your life. You can also click on the Testament tab there, and there was a microphone inside there. You click on that microphone, you can get all of our podcast episodes right there on anchor.fm slash the Testament, or you can find us on Spotify, Google podcast um apple podcast and and wherever you get your podcast so i appreciate you listening today have a good day bye first and did call um i'm oh, sorry the way on me that i didn't want to be there i'm so sorry i don't know how to work technology I thought i turned the stupid <laughs> ringer off and i apparently didn't there okay ding, um ding, i know ding. i'm so sorry it's hayden i'm like he knows where i'm at stop He's doing that on purpose, I then. Hold on. <laughs> that question didn't even make sense. Let's let's try another. Would you rather always be... Okay, that doesn't... What is, whoa, who made these questions? Would you rather find... Oh, that's not a good one, either. Ask me the first one. Ask me the first one. That didn't make sense. Well, because it's not written right. Oh, okay. Okay.